you for the mighty Holy Spirit who ministers to us your divine word, your divine truth. And even tonight, Lord, we ask that he would speak to us in power and in anointing. We give you all the glory for it. We give you all the praise for everything that's going to happen tonight, for every deliverance, for every mind renewed, for every heart comforted by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was uh, coming home this afternoon, uh, I began to pray in the spirit, and um, I must have prayed for maybe about five minutes, I guess, or something like that, and then I began to ask God, uh, one thing Pastor Goodluck taught us was that we can pray in the spirit and we can ask God for the interpretation, and so I did, I asked for the interpretation of what God was saying in uh, the heavenly language. And what began to come out of my mouth was restoration, 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 restoration. He began to talk about a season of restoration for his people, those who need restoration in their lives. And then uh, led me to the book of Joel, chapter 2. Familiar scripture, but uh, I want to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and and share this tonight. Verse 23. And somebody may be having a spirit of grief tonight. Somebody may may be online or that's looking at this online or or even in here, spirit of grief. God wants you to know that you don't have to grieve, but he wants you to be glad. He wants you to be glad. He wants to restore to you the joy of your salvation. Trials sometimes can be difficult and can be draining, but God says, I want you to know That season of mourning is about to end. You're about to come out of that into a new season of divine blessing. Be glad then, you children of Zion. That's talking to every born-again believer. And rejoice in the Lord your God. And Father, we do tonight just rejoice in you tonight. Rejoice in all of your finished work, all of your mercy and grace. We rejoice that you are our God and we are your children. For he had given you the former rain moderately. That former rain was given in a measure, the Bible says. He will cause to come, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, 
and the latter rain in the first month. God talking about a Holy Ghost deluge. A pouring out of his spirit in these last days like never before. Get ready. Get ready. He says here in verse 24, And the floor shall be full of wheat. I love it. And the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. A move of God that we and that we have been dreaming about, that we have been prophesying about, that we have been hearing about. God says, I'm about to release my spirit in ways that will blow your natural mind. This is the season that we're living in. God says, prepare for the latter rain and the former rain together in the mighty power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, and I will restore to you the years that the locust had eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I have sent among you. So God is talking about everything that the enemy has stolen, he's going to have to put it back. said that last week that we ought not just be satisfied with the devil leaving us alone but we ought to be wanting him to put back everything that he has stolen restoration is our portion in this season if we'll believe it if we'll believe it sevenfold restoration Somebody believe that tonight? And you shall eat in plenty. I love it. God is an overflow God. He doesn't have any problem blessing his people. He who spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Tonight, expand your capacity to believe. That's what God is saying. Begin to expand your capacity to believe. Stretch forth your tents and your cords. He says, I'm about ready to do some things in your life that you've only dreamed about. This is the season. This is the season. If you'll believe it. He's been priming us, I really believe, with these messages of faith uh, the last few weeks, talking about radical faith, extreme faith. And this is where God wants us to be. He wants us on that level, uh, at a level of expectation for these things. And it's going to take a belief system that is not... uh, from this world. It's going to take a belief system that's birthed in the Holy, Holy Spirit, birthed by the Holy Spirit through faith in His Word. And so that's what He's been doing the last few weeks. He's just been spoon feeding us, Randy, 
<laughs> spoon feeding us uh, his word so that our hope and our expectation will be great because we truly do serve an awesome God. He's very, he's very willing to bless his people. So and this is what he said also, shame is never your portion. It's never your portion. We've settled for less. God wants to restore everything. He wants to restore. Restoration is always God's will for us. So that's what he wants us to understand tonight. Uh, and I want us to be obedient to, to speak that tonight. I remember um, when we were uh, at Calvert, uh, Many times we would have the services, and services would be have a sparse crowd, so similar to tonight. And I mean, uh, <laughs> the Holy Ghost would just fall in that place. We would we would experience the power of God. Uh, Spirit of God would just fall. Y'all know about that here. Y'all know about that here, but. We had it there, and I tell you, um, I believe that's what's going to happen tonight. God's going to do something special. Open your hearts to him tonight and just believe what he says concerning your portion and the things that he has in store for you. We do serve an awesome God. Amen? Amen. I want to begin in 1st John chapter 5. 1st John chapter 5. I'm going to touch on some things that maybe we touched on a little bit last week, but I want to begin here. As the Lord dropped this in my heart even this afternoon. Verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God. How many of y'all know we've been born of God? Each and every one of us. We've been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been given a new birth. And so this is talking about us. I think the key, one of the keys to really having great faith is to see yourself in the scriptures. To identify with what God is saying. And he's speaking directly to us. He's talking to each and every one of us. So we've been born of the Spirit of God. And he says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Hmm. So we have been born of the Holy Spirit to overcome anything that the kingdom of darkness brings into our life. Yeah, there's nothing that the devil can bring against you that you have not been equipped to overcome. Know that because God says so. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world. This is the thing that's going to propel you into that place 
of destiny, that place of divine power, that place where God wants you to sit. This is the victory that overcomes the world. The Bible says, even our faith. Even our faith. So, when we talk about faith, it's important not to ever think that it's a trivial subject. Because, and, we, and, and, and don't ever think that we've, we've heard enough of it. Because the Bible says that that faith that God gives to us and that God increases in our life, it's going to be the element that God uses to overcome your giants and your mountains and your problems and your sickness and your uh, yoke of bondage. It's going to be by faith in what the Word says. A total understanding that it's the word of God that brings deliverance. When we begin to understand that, that is when we begin to walk in victory because we understand that the word of God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for one generation, he'll do it for the next generation. If that generation is walking by faith in his word. So it's important that we always remember that. That our victory is based on our faith in God. Or faith in his word. And his word and faith are really synonymous. When you talk about faith, you're talking about faith in the Word of God. So faith and the Word of God are synonymous. They're one and the same. Now last week we, we talked about the first component of great faith was that we had to develop a commitment to unbroken focus on the Word of God. And we sort of used... Um, Romans chapter 4 has a uh, point of reference. So that, that was the first component of faith, of great faith, of walking in great faith. And God, again, wants us to excel in faith, just like Abraham did. And uh, so that was the first component, was to have an unbroken commitment and an unbroken focus Upon the word of God. The second component of great faith that we talked about last week. Is that I must believe in the supernatural. I must uh, believe in the supernatural ability of God. Because that we serve, we found out that we serve a God who quickeneth the dead. God's power is tangible. It's real. And it can be uh, used by those who understand that it is available to them. That the uh, same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead literally lives on the inside of each and every one of us. And so there's always potential for supernatural manifestations when you are a child of God, when you're walking by faith, okay? We have, we have to always keep that in mind that 
The miraculous is always available to the child of God who will have an expectation for it. I mean, if you're not expecting to receive, if you're not expecting to walk in the supernatural, you won't. But if you have developed a mindset that this is your portion because the word says it's your portion, then you can expect to walk in the supernatural power of God. Okay? So that's our, the second component of great faith is I must believe in the supernatural ability of God to do miracles in my life and through me. The third component of great faith, I don't think we talked about it last week, but the third component of great faith is I must be willing to talk like God talks. (laughs) Yeah. I must be willing to do that if I'm going to experience God on the level that he wants me to experience it. And again, God has given to us much grace. And much uh, access to him and to the things that uh, he is and that he can do. But I must uh, develop an understanding that the things that come out of my mouth matter. The Bible says that the power... Of life and death is in the tongue. In the words that I speak, I can literally experience both blessing and cursing concerning the words that I speak. So it's important that uh, I renew my mind to that uh, revelation that the words that I say are very, very important when it comes to walking by faith and expecting to receive by faith. Romans 4, verse 17, speaks of that. Paul writes, as it is written, God talking, To Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. That's what God spoke to Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, that quickeneth the dead is that element of understanding that God is a supernatural God and he can do supernatural things through you. He quickens the dead. And that he call it those things which be not as though they were. He call it those things which be not as though they were. Now in Abraham's life, and of course Abraham, we've been using him as a example. We said last week that Abraham was a student of faith. God taught him faith. And uh, much as God, as much as God taught Abraham faith, he wants to teach us faith because uh, that same faith that Abraham walked in has been made available to us. And the same uh, outcome that Abraham had in walking by faith 
is available to you and I if we'll walk in the steps that Abraham walked in. And, of course, again, the third component being I must be willing to say what God says. I must be willing to call those things that be not as though they were. Okay. I, I must be willing to speak what God says, speak his word, even when I don't see any change going on. Even when things remain the same, I must still continue to speak and have a confession of the word of God when I don't see anything happening. Okay? And that's the challenge. That is the real challenge to walking by faith. Uh, to still be able to speak God's word in spite of what I see, in spite of what I feel, in spite of what's going on around me. Okay? Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 17 and see what Abraham had to be willing to do in order for him to get where God wanted him to be. Verse 4, and this is God talking to Abraham. How many of y'all know it's important to listen when God is talking? To listen to every word that he says. Because every word that comes out of the mouth of God is truth. Okay? We've got to believe that. We've got to understand that. He says here in verse 4, as for me, God says, as for me. As far as I'm concerned, my covenant is with you. So he's uh, reinforcing to Abraham his willingness to be a covenant-keeping God. A God that never changes. A God that when he speaks something, he means it. He backs up his very throne with every word that comes out of his mouth. God says, I'll, 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 I will cease to be God if I don't keep my word. That's how important it is for us to understand the severity of God's uh, words in terms of how serious he is when he speaks. He says to Abraham, as for me, behold, or look, my covenant is with you, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. So he tells Abraham what his will is for him, and that a man who has never had any children at all, and a wife that has never had any children at all, of all, at all at the age of 75, all the way through almost 100 years old, he's saying that I, my will for you is to manifest my supernatural power by giving you an heir in your old age. Not only an heir, but many heirs. You're going to be a blessing to the whole world. You're going to be the father of many nations, even though right now you don't have any children at all. Now, for Abraham to believe that, Abraham has to 
on purpose take his eyes off of what he's going through right now. He has to take his eyes off of his current situation. When you're dealing with God, that is most important. I must have that unbroken focus on what God, what God says. If I want to get what God says, I can have. So I must focus on that. If I want to be healed in my physical body and I'm going through a, 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 a fight of faith where my physical health is concerned, I don't need to be watching uh, television as the world turns. And I don't need to be watching the soap opera. I don't need to be watching comedy and all that. There. I need to have my eyes focused on the Word. That's important now. That's, that's very important that we understand that. When we, this is serious business when you're believing God for deliverance. So I got to focus on what God has said. And what God told Abraham was, I have made you the father of many nations. Thou shalt be a father of many nations. So that was the will of God for Abraham. When Abraham heard that, he had to embrace that. Verse 5. Neither shall your name anymore be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. That name Abraham, the literal translation of that is father of many nations. So God tells Abraham, you have a part to play in walking or experiencing the promise. You're going to have to change some things that's been coming out of your mouth. You're going to have to be willing. How many of y'all know faith is an act of your will? It is. It's, it's an act of our will. Thomas, Thomas told the disciples, he says, I will not believe unless I see. So faith is, is, is an act of my, of, of my will. So Abraham had to be willing to go along with God in terms of speaking what God t- told him to speak. He literally changes his name to father of many nations. And he has to... Tell everybody that he comes in contact with, my name is no longer Abram, but it's Abraham. Which is translated father of many nations. And how many of y'all know when he did that, people were probably laughing at him behind his back. Because here he was, an old man had never had any children, and he was speaking those type of words out of his mouth. But when you get hooked up with God, you have to be willing to look foolish. You have to be, because the, the things that God will have you speak out of your mouth are things that are not relevant to the natural. They're not manifested in the natural yet. So when you speak them, People who don't understand will think you've lost your mind. So it's important that you are not a person who 
is moved by what people think if you're going to walk in great faith. You have to just trust God and be willing to say what God says about you and your current situation by speaking his word. Abraham had to be willing to change his name. He had to be willing to say continuously, I am the father of many nations. Okay? That is a component of great faith. I must be willing to speak the word. I must be willing to say what God says about me in spite of everything that is opposite going, out, going on around me. And again, most believers, truth be told, are not willing to do that. Uh, they'll do it sometimes for a season, for a little while, and then they'll start, you know, backing off of it because they see no change. And see, if we're going to walk by great faith, we can't be moved by the natural realm. We can only be influenced by what God has said. Therefore, it's very important that I consistently be exposed to the truth, which is what God says. I must consistently be exposed to the, to the word of God, to the promises of God, if I'm going to experience the promise of, of God manifested in my life. And I can't put a time clock on God. God's timing and my timing are two different timings most of the time. I want it to manifest now and God says not yet. Continue to speak the word. That's the discipline that's involved in walking by in great faith. So, God on purpose speaks of non-existent things like they exist. He does that on purpose. Now, I have uh, and you have a license to do the same. You have to remember that. You and I are made in the image of God. Somebody needs to breathe that in tonight. We were made in the image of God. We were designed by God to function like he functions. I mean, he's, he's our heavenly father. He is God almighty, but we are the children of God. Okay? And I have to identify myself that way. I have to see myself that way if I'm going to be willing to speak his word with power. So I was made in the image of God. God desi I was designed by God to call those things which be not as though they were. I was designed by God to do that. You were designed by God to live this way. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall what? Live this way. We live by faith. I speak to, the, to dead things and I expect dead things to respond to the word of God. Anything dead in my life, I have been 
given permission by God to speak to it. That's my portion. Because see, I was like First John 5 said, I've been born of God. And my faith can overcome anything. Yeah, my faith in God's word. It will overcome the world. It's designed to overcome the world. But I got to be willing to believe that God has, has, has given me license to operate in the earth this way. This is the gospel, what I'm preaching tonight. This is the gospel. The restoration of everything that Adam lost in the garden is the gospel of, of Christ. But we must embrace who he, is, who he has made us to be. So I must be willing to say what he says about me in my situation. Now, walking by faith, a, a lifestyle of faith, does not exclude us from testing trials. When, we walk, when we're walking by faith, that does not mean that we won't have testings and trials and difficulties. We know that. So, my mindset has to be a mindset that I'm living in this world. I'm living in a broken world. I'm born again. I'm born of the Spirit of God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But the enemy is still going to bring things into my life that are elements of the curse. I recognize that even though I'm born again, and even though God has crowned me with glory and honor in this world... I, I have an enemy, and he comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. I must always have that in the back of my thinking. So when I'm walking by faith, I must understand that that does not exempt me from the attacks of the enemy. But no matter what attack he brings, I have been commissioned by God to overcome it. No matter what it is. Okay? That is my spiritual heritage in Christ. So I'm not intimidated by testing trials. I'm not intimidated by things that come against me. Matter of fact, as I begin to walk and mature as a believer, I begin to embrace those things. Has bread. Has food has an opportunity given to me by my maker to glorify him in the earth. So I, I have to have that mindset always. Because the more you begin to learn about these things, the greater the enemy will tempt you and test you and come against you. And God allows it. Okay, He allows it. Because he knows what he's given to you will overcome every attack of the enemy. Okay? He knows, he knows these things. But he wants you to know these things. He wants me to know these things. Okay? So my spiritual heritage is to overcome, but I must be willing 
To speak the word of God has a weapon. I must view it that way. I must view that every word of God is like a nuclear bomb going off in the enemy's camp when I speak it. I got to understand that, that there are things happening in the spirit realm when I speak God's word. No matter what the enemy, no matter what lies he speaks to my mind and tells me it's not working, I must know and be convinced that when I speak God's word, it has an effect in the spirit realm first. I must understand that. Because if I don't, I'll grow uh, discouraged because things aren't changing the way that I think they should change in the natural. And we'll, we're kind of, as we go through the series, we'll find out why that's true. But I must always remember that when I speak the word of God, it's never in vain. It's, it's doing something. It's a living word. So when I say out of my mouth when I'm going through a difficult season, when I say I'm blessed, that's doing something. I have a promise from God, Ephesians 1 and 3. Can we get that? When I say I'm blessed, I may not look blessed. I may, uh, and you may be able to see things that are going on in my physical body or in my life that speak contrary to the Scripture. But I must speak the scripture anyway. I must speak the word anyway if I'm going to walk in great faith. So the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So when I'm under attack, when things are not going the way that I would like to in the natural, I don't. Say what's going on in the natural. I'm not denying what's going on in the natural, but I choose to speak the word of God. I choose to say I'm blessed right in the middle of what, what looks like a curse. Does that make sense? I got, I got, but I got to speak it. God, God's already spoken. I got to be willing to say that out of my mouth. Okay. That's where, that's where the change comes when I begin to say it. God has already spoken it. He's already blessed his word. He's already told me that I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings. That's my portion. But I must affirm it by speaking it out of my mouth in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the test, in the midst of the trial. When the doctor's report shows up, that's a negative report, I must say I'm blessed. Anyhow. Now, it takes a spiritual fortitude to be able to do that. You may not be there tonight, I may not be there tonight, but I can get there. Because that measure of faith that God gave me in the beginning, it can grow. And I can get to the point where I begin to speak, I begin to automatically speak the Word of God, has a reflex action because I'm filled with the Word of God. My mind has been renewed to it. I begin to say, I am complete when the devil says I'm not complete. I begin to say I'm complete in him. Can I get that scripture? Uh, Colossians 2 and 10. The devil tells you you're missing it. You're missing something. You're, 
You don't have what it takes. The Bible says you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So my confession, when the enemy is bombarding my mind with fiery darts and speaking contradictory things concerning the blessing to me, I must be willing to say I'm complete in him, devil. In the back of my room, and that, how many of y'all know the enemy likes to get you when you're by yourself? And he begins to speak to you lies and, and all those things. You must be willing to say out of your mouth, I have been made, I have been made complete in Christ. I gotta speak it. Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, Speaking the word. When I'm weak, I begin to speak that. When my body is racked with pain, First Peter 2 and 24, by his stripes I am or were healed. I was healed. I was healed 2,000 years ago. That's my portion. I speak that right when the pain is most intense. Again, when weakness tries, uh, the devil tells me that weakness is my portion, I begin to say I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm telling you how to overcome tonight. you got to speak it. Thinking it is good, but speaking it is better. That's when, we, that's when you release the power. So that's what God says about me, and I, by faith, I say it too. I say what God says. And I've been, I've been licensed by God to do so. God wants me to, he wants me to live this way, so I choose to live this way. Let's go back to Romans chapter 4. So that's, that's a very important part of walking in great faith by speaking the word. That's, that's, that's one of the major components, really. It's, when you're speaking the word, sometimes you can't, you can't do a natural action. Because the Bible says you need to act on the word. Sometimes the only thing that you can do is speak. And so that's, it's very important that we don't lose sight of that. A lot of things that I'm talking about tonight, you already know God's reminding us of these things. Romans 4 Verse 18, again, Abraham, he's our example. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was was spoken, so shall your seed be. So again, Abraham's hope was based on what God had said. So shall your seed be. So, let's understand something. Hope and faith are two different things. Okay? I don't downplay hope because I have to have hope, but hope is not faith. Hope is um, 
an earnest expectation that the promises of God are going to come to pass. That's what, that's what biblical hope is. It's, a, it's, a, it's an expectation that that thing's going to happen for you. Okay? Hope is, um, it's, it's needed. We have to have hope. But hope will not produce what you need. Faith is the only thing that will produce what you need. Hope undergirds your faith. Faith is like the bridge from the problem to the solution. But hope is the thing that undergirds, it keeps your faith propped up. You're constantly expecting it to happen. So Abraham, you have to understand, when God first spoke to him, he was 75 years old. And the manifestation of what God spoke didn't happen until 25 years later. He was almost 100 years old. So during that period of time, think about it. He had to maintain an expectation that it was going to happen. And the Bible says, who against hope, Abraham, who against hope, hoped on. He continued to hope on. Now, I heard one preacher put it this way. When hope tried to walk out the door, Abraham grabbed hope by the nap of the neck and said, come back here. <laughs> he said, I, I'm not going, I'm not going, devil, you're not going to steal my expectation. Who against hope, he, he kept on believing in hope that the promise might be made manifest. So in your situation, what you must do is you must keep that expectation that someday it's going to manifest. Okay? You must keep it before your eyes that someday I'm going to experience what God spoke in my life. It may not be manifested here in the natural realm now, but God is faithful. And that's what Abraham had to do. He had to say, I hope, I, my hope will, is not gone away. I still see myself as the father of many nations. Remember when God took him outside and told him to count the stars? What God was doing was giving him a supernatural lesson on hope. He says, count the stars if you're able to number them. So shall your seed be. Keep that in your expectation. A multitude of children. Keep it before your eyes. Keep the healing that you're believing God for before your eyes. It may not have manifested yet, but see it in the Spirit. See it in the Spirit and claim it in the Spirit. And continue to believe and hope for it. So hope is very important when we're walking by faith. Now again, if we stay in hope... We'll never experience the promise, though. Hope is good, but it's not the best. It can never produce what you need. Faith is the only thing that's going to produce what you need. Now, it says here, uh, I think it's verse, yeah, verse 19. Let's go right there. Got that in my notes. Talking about Abraham. And being not weak in faith, because he maintained his hope, being not weak in faith, 
talking about Abraham, he considered not his own body now dead. That is where the rubber meets the road. His body over those years had become weaker and weaker and weaker. Until now, his body was now dead. Remember now, he had produced a son, Ishmael, during that time. So his body at that time still had some physical ability to produce. But over the years, his body had come to the place where it was physically impossible for this to happen. Isn't that just like God? He'll make it where you ain't going to have nothing to do with this. I'm going to get all the glory from this. See, And a lot of times that's what he'll do. He'll let us go on and on and on until we become crucified with Christ. Amen. We become those who are crucified with Christ, but yet we live, but we're not living in our own strength. We're living by the power of the mighty Holy Spirit. Okay? And so Abraham got to that part, that point where in the natural he knew that his physical man couldn't produce it, but he didn't consider that anymore. He had taken his eyes completely off of him and had put his eyes completely on what God said. He considered not his own body now dead. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he had to also contend with what he saw in his wife. So everything that he saw was, was speaking to him, no, 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 this is not going to happen. Impossible for this to happen. But Abraham, the Bible says, Continue to believe, because the next verse is where I'm going to close. The Bible says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. And that's the key. And like I say, next week we're going to really get off into verse 20, but he did not stagger at the promise. He did not let the element... Of time, he did not let the element of what he saw and what he felt in his physical man, he did not let what he saw in his wife, any of those things cause him to stagger. Because he had gotten to the point where he was what the Bible called fully persuaded. That's where he wants you to die. He wants to get us to that place where we're fully persuaded in this word. That no matter what comes our way, we're not moved by it. Somebody say, I don't know if I can get there. You can get there. You can get there because God says you can. He wouldn't give you that expectation of this if you couldn't. So he wants you to understand that these things are available, this kind of faith is available, but he has to teach us. He has to teach us how to get to that point like he got Abraham to that point. Now, I'm going to close right there because uh, 
If I start getting into more, I'm going to run out of time. But I want you to stand to your feet tonight. I want to pray. God say, lift your hands to him tonight. Lift, lift your hands to him. Just lift your hands to him. Let him know that you know that he is God. Let him know that you know that he is your portion. Let him know that you know that without him you can't do anything. God, we worship you tonight. We look only to you. Our eyes are on the Lamb tonight. Our expectation is in him. God, you know what your children are experiencing in their lives. You know the faith fight that they are in tonight. The things, oh God, that they're believing you for. The weapons that have been formed against them, oh God, you know about all of it. But our prayer tonight, oh God, is that our eyes will become open to what you have done already. That our victory has already been won in the spirit realm. And God, help us and teach us, oh God, to co-labor with you in the process of manifestation. Help us, oh God, to cause our minds to be renewed to the truth. Give us, oh God, divine courage to speak your word in the midst of the storm. In the darkness, oh God, that surrounds us, oh God, help us, oh God, to see the light of Christ Jesus. May every enemy, O oh God, that has been arrayed against your people, O oh God, be caused to fall. Cause them to fall, O oh God. Every wicked spirit, every principality, every plan of the enemy, O oh God, begin to crush it by the power of Almighty God. We worship you tonight. We are at your throne room. We're at the foot of your throne tonight. We're glorifying you, O oh God. Our expectation, O oh God, is in your greatness. We give you all the glory, all the praise, all of the honor, all of the adoration. It's yours. And as we see the victory, as we begin to walk in the victory, as we begin to experience in our natural lives the promises of God, we'll give you all the praise. Yes, we will. We'll bring our gifts to you and worship you with them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.